to another edition of uh, my Untitled Podcast. Uh, have the pleasure of sitting down with a longtime friend of mine, uh, Chris Fox, who tattoos out of uh, Fish Ladder Tattoo out in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, thanks for being on, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Um, Happy New Year. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. Yeah, same to you. Uh, sorry you got stuck in a traffic light, it seemed like, during the changing of the year. Yeah, yeah, it kind of sucked, but uh, it's whatever. I'm, I'm too old to go out and party anyway, so <laughs> didn't really matter. Well, I think that's what happens when you reach past thirty. You realize that it's not the uh, it's not so much about raging as so much as like, well, I'm still alive, so good enough. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's where about where I was at. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wanted to talk to you because I, I think you've uh, had a pretty interesting. Uh, I'll say careers, uh, whether it be in music or uh, in your, your professional tattooing career. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about where, where it all started. Um, so I guess uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like maybe where you grew up and, and uh, how you kind of got interested in music and or art, uh, whether it be drawing or whatever. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in Ionia, Michigan, uh, just a small little prison town, actually. Um <laughs> And, uh, I don't, as far as like where I got started in art, my parents were both super, well, I should say this. My mom was a fantastic painter, uh, oil and acrylic. And she kind of started pushing me at, towards art at a very young age. And, uh, when I was actually in grade school, I had an art teacher kind of take me under his wing and kind of start pushing me towards like comic book illustration and stuff like that and that was as early as like second grade I do believe and uh, he just kind of pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and I've always been super into art I actually went to college to be a comic book illustrator where'd you go to college uh, at I don't even think I knew that what was that at, Ken at Man, Kendall so many people I know ended up going to Kendall I didn't know that yeah I mean I, I didn't finish <laughs> and no I one did yeah <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I took courses for sure. Uh, that's what I really wanted to do. But, uh, yeah. Then, uh, as far as music, my dad was a 80s rocker. Um, so I've always been kind of in the music scene. Uh, and then just as my life progressed, I started joining bands in high school and stuff. And out of one of those bands, that's where Flesh and Blood Robot formed. Now, uh... Flesh and Blood, I would say, was kind of one of the more bigger names locally around, I would say, more the Lansing area at that point. Uh, I don't remember if that really technically was your home base or if it was kind of a little bit closer to GR. Um, but you guys, think, go ahead. I think it was just like Michigan in general. We were kind of, I mean, I think at the time we pretty much all lived in Ionia and then eventually kind of moved to Lansing. But uh, we, we played everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that band kind of, from what I remember, was, you know, you guys, like you said, played around quite a bit, but I think you guys actually did really well with getting on, like, national shows. Like, I want to say there was an Asley Dying show like you got on back before that band, like, obviously became what they became, but still, uh, I think they were signed at that point, so. Yeah, we played a lot of, we opened up a lot of national shows. Um, I don't remember if we played with Asley Dying or not. It might have. I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm sure it all blurs together after all these years. Yeah, it really does. Um, but I remember around, I think around the time of you guys getting ready to put out a, another record, or like a legitimate second record, uh, I think you guys were close to getting signed, which 
uh, to Tribunal Records, which I want to say would have been the first time like a band of yours had been picked up by a, a, a pretty decent smaller label. Right. Uh, I know we were talking to them. Um, I don't really know the time frame of when that happened, or I, I like you mentioning it is the first time I'm remembering it. In, <laughs> you know, over a decade. So I, I remember talking to them. I don't know how serious it got, um, but uh, it, it, yeah, I could have went somewhere. It was cool. We just had a lot of drummer issues, and uh, it, it was never getting resolved, and it was pretty discouraging. So we just decided to kind of give it up. How hard is it to kind of, especially, you know, still being a young, I think, I think we're about the same age, so around like the your early 20s, thinking like, you know, like you're in a band that's kind of getting successful in some, some medium, uh, potentially getting label interest, and then it just kind of all crumbles away. Like, it's kind of got to be... It sucked, man. <laughs> <laughs> it really sucked, because I, I definitely poured my heart and soul into it, and uh, we just couldn't all make it work you know we, all, we tried but uh, it just didn't end up working out in the end that's what, the way life goes now around that time as well there was when you started trying to focus on becoming a tattoo artist through getting an apprenticeship uh yeah. what what's that process kind of or what was that process like for you to you know living in michigan and Lansing, um, i guess more so well, a college town i'm sorry from uh from playing around i met uh, a bunch of tattooers and one tattooer, his name's Greg Drake. He uh, he kind of helped me get an apprenticeship through one of his buddies because he couldn't take me on. And uh, yeah, I just focused on that uh, instead of the band, really. Um, did you yeah. find? Okay, sorry. No, you're fine. I was gonna say, did you find that uh, it was easy to kind of switch gears and just kind of focus on that? Like, since you didn't have like a a band where you're having to commit to practices and playing shows and so forth? Like, was it easier to kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think uh, it definitely helped out, you know, me kind of taking my mind off the band and focusing on something else. Plus, I had a full-time job on top of it, so it was it was stressful doing the apprenticeship, but it was worth it. What are some of your memories of the apprenticeship that you look back on now and just kind of laugh at thinking about... <laughs> Um, I got nothing for respect for the guy who uh, taught me how to tattoo. His name, or his name was Hawk. He passed, but uh, he <laughs> was a fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, just a fucking crazy biker dude. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I learned more about what not to do in my apprenticeship than what to do. And then I just, after my apprenticeship and after moving away from that shop, I kind of figured out the stuff to do on my own. Did you find that having a lot of friends within the industry already allowed you to progress at a, a faster rate? Yeah, because I was able to actually talk tattooing with people that you know had you know some sort of idea of you know how to do it instead of me just trying to figure it out by myself. And it, you know, having those friends before I even started helped out because most tattooers won't talk to you know younger tattooers about stuff because they're worried about letting go of secrets and crap like that so it really was to my benefit that i had a lot of really good friends that were tattooers do you feel like that's something that still is kind of prevalent now is is not sharing of secrets uh quote-unquote secrets uh to your potential uh competition um to a degree i think with i mean when i started the internet wasn't as crazy and as plentiful with information as it is now 
Um, so most anybody can just get on the internet and buy like a instructional DVD that gives them 20 different secrets that they wouldn't have figured out until 10 years later. So, I mean, it, it really depends on who you're talking to. Um, I know a lot of like older cats and the, like kind of like the traditional tattoo game. They, they'll keep their secrets pretty, pretty close. To the chest. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, pretty much it, it, anybody can figure out anything nowadays, which kind of sucks. It takes away kind of the, <laughs> the magic of it, I think. But, uh, at the same time, it, it's good that people are actually wanting to learn how to tattoo well instead of giving out a bunch of busted pieces. <laughs> um, you had already mentioned that you had moved out of the out of that shop around that time, unless, again, kind of forgetting. I mean, sometimes when I do these, I always feel like I know way too much about people's lives <laughs> from, you know, weav- from weaving in and out of it. But I just, I guess I have a good memory for, for dumb shit because usually there was something going on in my own life when things happened, like... You gave me one of the first bigger tattoos, visible tattoos I had gotten during your apprenticeship. So I remember being around for part of that. Then when you moved down here to GR, I live like basically like two blocks away from your shop. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's like one of those things like there's just like weird occurrences like that where I just kind of have a decent memory of like a time frame of when shit happened. Right. Um, now, around the time of you moving down here to GR, I want to say it was when you I don't know if you tried out or auditioned or were offered uh the vocalist job for see you next tuesday but uh i feel like that's obviously like a big part of your how a lot of people indirectly may know you initially right. outside of not being a tattoo artist uh what uh what can you say about well, like your... what what happened with that was uh what i was still in lansing um when i got offered the position for see you next tuesday um and i kind of cleared it with hawk and uh decided things weren't really working out in Lansing anyway. So after, actually after I took the, the vocalist position in See You Next Tuesday, I was homeless for a long time um, just because I knew I'd be on the road and I didn't think there was any point in having a place to live. Right. Uh, so I just put all my stuff in storage. But uh, um, I'd say maybe like mid-2007 or something. no. No, the beginning of 2007, I moved to Grand Rapids. And then ended up at uh, 616 or whatever it is yeah, called it's, now? Yeah, it's 616 Tattoo now. It was just called the Tattoo Shop. That's right. The longest, or Tattoo Parlor. Yeah, I was going to say the longest <laughs> name in the history of a tattoo shop. All right. <laughs> um, so at that point, like, you're kind of... Because I don't exactly remember, ironically, after just saying I remember a lot of things, uh, I don't really remember how long you were in See You Next Tuesday before it kind of ended up being a signed band. and just kind uh, They of a were band actually that... already signed by the time I joined them. They had just signed with Ferret. Okay. So at that point then, okay, that does make sense. A little more sense. Um, so at this point now, you, you are in a signed band, uh, presumably getting ready to write the first record, or it's maybe already written and you're just working on vocals yeah Yeah. that's what happened uh like as soon as i joined like as soon as they were like yeah we want you um because i I think they talked to maybe like one other person i don't remember um yeah i did a couple practices with them and it was solidified that i was going to be it and uh they're like okay well we're leaving in a week to go record parasite 
Uh, I didn't have like any lyrics <laughs> or anything for it. Not that the album was extremely long, but I mean, like a week is pretty hard to figure out what you're going to do for a whole album's worth of music. Right. So yeah, I had to pretty much write the whole album in a week, and then we went out to Virginia and recorded the album. Now, that's actually something I was going to want to talk to you about anyway, was, was your lyrics, because typically I would say uh, someone that's in a more traditional, like, grind band or something to that, like, more of a heavier band where there's not so much clean singing at all, uh, how hard is it to to write something and, and potentially know that most people aren't really going to ever bother learning your lyrics or anything like that. But I know that <laughs> I mean, sounds like a shitty thing to say, but I mean, it's kind of the reality no, it's, of it. It's totally true. You know, um, I don't know. Like I, I never, when I'm writing, I don't think about other people reading it. it it'd be cool if people did, you know, cause I really, I really try hard to make like the lyrics just as cool as the music. Um, like I, I'm definitely influenced by a lot of, awesome vocalists and, and a bunch of different scenes, you know, but, uh, I, it, I guess I, I'm always like really pleased when I see that somebody actually knows the lyrics cause I don't know, just it obviously means a lot to them, but, uh, it's not like something I get bummed out about, I guess. I, I now going into the writing of Parasite, did you have lyrics kind of just like I don't know if you constantly write just stuff down when it comes to you or if you um, with, just... with Parasite like Flesh and Blood was actually kind of preparing to write a bunch of new stuff and I had you know just like half of a like little notebook full of just like ideas and like you know a, a paragraph of writing here or a poem or something and I, I just kind of took that book and fit it to the music of Parasite did you find that it was surprisingly easy to match what you had written to the music? Because I, I feel I mean, like it'd be really kinda. hard to, to write to something that all over. Well, I was kind of used to it at that point because towards the end of Flesh and Blood Robot, we were already going that like super chaotic direction. So, it, I mean, it wasn't like extremely hard to... I mean, a few parts. There's always going to be a few parts with any songs like that that kind of stump you for a minute. But... Uh, Usually, I always get it down. It, it wasn't too hard, I suppose. Um, yeah, because I remember one night looking, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but it ended up being after you guys released Intervals and kind of had my like albums literally open up and was just kind of looking at it all. And I remember seeing that there was, and I don't, I don't remember the song titles, but you carried over a line from the first record from Parasite into Intervals. And I remember yeah. texting you about it and being like, was this intentional or is this like a bigger scope, like something else that you were trying to do with a, a narrative or whatever? And I remember you kind of being like, no one's actually even noticed that those lyrics are. Yeah, you're, I think over. you're the first one that's ever realized that I've repeated lyrics in like three different songs. Yeah. so what, it, it is intentional because it, it's all about the same person. Do so. you... Do you tend to, to write like that in general, though, where you kind of know that maybe you're going to carry a, a lyrical theme or even a uh, just a theme in general uh, across the writing that you do? Or is it just something that kind of inadvertently happens and then you kind of look back and go, oh, shit? Well, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how to make it interesting and uh, for people that actually do pay attention. So I, I think that's one of those points where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this here 
and uh, see if anybody notices and maybe kind of just like a slight nod to the first album or, you know, just just something that, you know, you can pick up and be like, oh, man, I know that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, I, I'm just trying to make things interesting for the most part. Now, at any point, have you ever learned how to play any instruments or are you solely just a vocalist? Um, I... When I was in high school, I played bass in a couple bands, but it wasn't like I knew how to play bass. It was, I knew where to put my fingers and what time to put my fingers there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I tried to learn how to play guitar. I tried to learn how to play piano. I just, uh, I don't think I either have the attention span for it or I just always have too much stuff going on to where I don't have time to learn it. It's probably a little of both. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm actually going to try and pick up guitar again here soon, but, uh, be interesting we'll see to see goes. if you go more like a singer songwriter kind of approach with an acoustic or end up doing, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I love older country <laughs> Yeah, no, <I'm laughs> and I really wouldn't mind like writing some like cool country songs. Um, that'd be interesting. But, <laughs> yeah. And a total flip of genre, but, uh. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see how it goes just so I can write stuff by myself instead of having to wait for somebody to write music for me to put vocals to. It'd probably help, probably help your writing actually as well because then you could probably figure out how to write better melodies either as uh, a vocalist or even as a as a musician trying to figure out how to, to make it work. Right. So it'd probably be actually really interesting to see how that ends up working out. Um. But speaking of See Next Tuesday, and we've already kind of talked about, like, you're at this point out of your apprenticeship and tattooing, uh, what's, how hard was it to basically, because I feel like a lot of people probably understand at this point in this day and age with the internet and, and you know, DVDs and, or Blu-rays or whatever, content on the internet, I should say, since no one fucking buys anything, period. Right. Um that when you sign, when you get signed as a band, it's not like you've made it. Now all the, the hard work actually goes into it whether it be getting on tours actually touring figuring out everything that you're gonna do with your personal life because now that's you kind of got to commit to it how hard is it to basically be an assigned band that's trying to make a name for themselves and having to be on the road constantly to, to build their brand as well as trying to build your own brand within the tattooing industry even if it's just locally Right. Um, it's awful. <laughs> it, it was seriously awful on every front. Um, I mean, I had the time of my life during or touring with you next Tuesday. I would never, you know, take those years back for anything. But uh, it, it, as far as like how it affected my life outside of the band, it was my life was almost non-existent. You know, I uh, as far as like relationships and friendships go it completely destroyed a bunch of them just because i was never home to build them um and the same with tattooing you know every time i'd get home i'd be home for anywhere from a week to a month and i'd i'd have to relearn stuff i just learned the last time i was home and then try and learn more and then i'd have to leave again for another two months and then when i get back it's it was the same thing over and over it was always like one step forward, two steps back, you know, it was, it was awful. Do you feel like it was frustrating being so young in your tattooing career and wanting to, wanting to succeed in, in whatever capacity that means to you personally, but then finding 
but then kind of also realizing that like the other passion and the other dream you've had of being in a signed band and touring is kind of what's hint like you kind of have like a double-edged sword like you got the best of both worlds because you're doing the two things you love however they're both limiting how far you can take the other oh yeah definitely um i don't know like like being at that point in my music career is what i had always wanted that was like what i was striving so hard to do and i really got lucky with seeing next tuesday i'm just being like asked to join them um but yeah, it was it was a double edged sword, man. It was rough. Like I couldn't figure out anything with tattooing to the point where I was like wondering if I should even do it. Was how how often? Because I mean, I know some of the like the life of a touring musician is is literally hurry up and wait. Like you have to hurry up to get wherever it is you're going just to turn around and wait for hours for it to be the to do the thing that you're there to do. So how fucking hard is it to maybe be like wrestle with, you know, the thing that's supposed to help you make money when you're not on the road, but you're not progressing at the rate that you want to, and then just stressing about it when you have nothing else to do. Yeah, and then I'm just sitting there and like when I could be home, like actually working on my real career. Um, But at the time, you know, I I didn't know how far CNX Tuesday was going to go. I was pretty hopeful that maybe it would bring me to a point where I didn't really need another job. You know? Did you ever? Did you ever have a, a? I don't know if a fear is the right word. Did you ever kind of just go like, maybe the tat? Like if you're already wrestling with the idea of giving up the tattooing thing because of just how it's not panning out, do you ever like look back and go like, yeah, but I also don't want to go back to working like retail or you know getting a, a real quote real real job that's gonna limit me being able to just leave to go on tour. Um. Well, I mean. I guess I never really thought that deep into it because I didn't, obviously, I didn't leave tattooing. Um, but that would, I think if I was like to the point where I was going to stop tattooing, I would have, I probably would have tried to get some sort of job that would pay me a little bit somewhere in the music industry because I had so many ties at that point. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it, it kind of probably would have tried to do something that went hand in hand with the band. Would, was that something you would have actually pursued? Like, what what within the music industry would you have wanted to do? I honestly have no idea. Um, <laughs> Just know you wanted to do something. I, yeah, you know, um, I, I I have no idea what I could have done. I, I probably would have just asked the people I knew that were a little bit higher up in the industry to see if they had anything I could do, you know. But if they didn't, I, I have no idea what I would have done. I probably would have went back to stupid retail crap. <laughs> It's always interesting just to kind of ask, like, when people are like, oh, you know, like, because I talked to a friend of mine, Frank, who used to be, well, I I mean, he still is technically the vocalist, but used to be in the band The World We Knew, and uh, I actually think maybe you guys did a tour together based on some of the tours he's talked about being on. Uh, I don't think we did. Then they were like, it would be like the first leg of a tour that you were on, and then, like, they were the band that replaced you, it seems like. Maybe. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, no, because he, like, basically gave up high school to pursue being in a band and then it's like when he kind of realized the band was not going to go any further than where it was going even though it got pretty far he was just like i mean i didn't go to i didn't finish school i had no like real job like i had nothing to fall back on i was like shit right so it's kind of interesting just to kind of like be able now hindsight to be like oh what was it what was your mindset like did you when the realization of like well maybe this isn't going to pan out but if the thing i'm giving up to go 
literally all in on what I'm pursuing. Like, what if that doesn't pan out? Then what? Yeah, I, I guess I never really thought about it a lot. You know, I just, uh, I just knew like the band thing was something I always was striving for. So I just or dove in, and I didn't really think about the band not working out <laughs> until the very end. The odd thing is, is as I've been doing this, I re- initially, like, I, I call this an untitled podcast because I just didn't have a fucking clever name for it. But I keep finding out that, like, the people I talk to and, and you know, are all people who have pursued a passion, whatever it is, and have been successful in it, you know, on their own terms or to whatever degree you want to consider successful. But right. the one thing that I, I've noticed between everyone I've talked to is that everybody while they acknowledge that they have thought at some point about, you know, what if this doesn't pan out? But the thing that I've noticed that everyone keeps saying is that they thought about it for a little bit, but then because they wanted whatever it was so bad, they were willing to make the concessions needed to, to make that happen. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, for me, there was like no question. It was just like, okay, I'm doing this no matter the consequence. You know, I just dove in. What, uh... Now, you guys, I kind of already mentioned Intervals, the second record you guys put out uh, through Ferret. What, uh, it seemed like it, by the time you put out that record, it seemed like you guys pretty much did like maybe a year's worth of touring or so, and then kind of called it, called it a day. Um, let's see, Intervals came out, um, 2008, towards the end of 2008, um, I think October and I think we were done touring by mid 2009 yeah it seems something right. like that yeah or no August 2009 was our last show so so we made it almost a year after intervals was released was it just I'm trying to remember if that's kind of the beginning of the I guess the quote-unquote digital age of people not buying music anymore not really kind of that's right when like everything was like people were starting to get torrents and shit like that um was I mean, that something our, you guys had to... our album actually leaked intervals leaked i remember and uh that like really fucked us up sales wise now i remember uh drew from that used to be in the browning shared because it recently popped up on my time hop uh shared something about how like their album that they had spent a lot of money on and a lot of promotional money behind it was leaked like a week early and it ended up getting downloaded like almost 200,000 or 300,000 times in a matter of a week was what did you guys have like a number like that where it's like oh fuck this like got downloaded so many times and if that many people would have bought the record I don't think we ever figured out like a number of how many downloads I know we were on tour in Europe and we were hanging are you still there? yeah I'm still here Okay, um, we were on tour with this band, Trigger the Bloodshed, they're from the UK, and we were sitting down with them, and one of them was on their laptop, and he goes, hey, your album's on this website, and we we thought he meant Parasite, but he was talking about intervals, and it was still about a month before the album was supposed to come out, uh, we were like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> like, Was it like the full actual thing, or like just... Yeah, like, it was the dem- full album. Okay. Yeah. So we don't know how it ever got leaked or what, but uh, was this also? Yeah, this... it really made you know. It, we took a hit on sales because of it for sure. Did you? Now on the flip side though, did you find that this also maybe got people more interested in the record? Like, did you hear? Did were people coming up to you going like, "Yeah, I got the record. It's really good." Blah blah blah, or not really? 
honestly, like, we tried really hard to push intervals in a different direction than Parasite because all the stuff on Parasite was stuff they did, uh, like, years prior that they were just finally getting to release, and we had all, like, matured quite a bit by the time we were ready to do intervals, so it was a, a lot different of a sound, and I think that really hurt us because uh, people were expecting stuff like Parasite, where it was just, like, super crazy chaotic type stuff instead of, like, heavier actual grind. Right. Um, well, I think I remember, because I had to take you... To, well, I didn't have to, uh, but I, I remember taking you to your Intervals album release out in, what, Hamtramck? When you guys were... The first date of that uh, fucking tour with that crazy band with the chick singer that's no longer in the band? Uh, I wrestled a bear once. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And I remember you playing me the record, which obviously wasn't technically out... Uh, on the way up and I was like wow you're actually like writing songs that have parts right, yeah. and you were like yeah this is gonna piss a lot of people off like people aren't gonna get what we're trying to do and because it's not what it was we're probably gonna just get a lot of backlash from it yeah we did man I mean we got like good reviews from like like magazines and stuff that could actually see that we were trying to like not be a joke band right. anymore you know but uh I mean, as far as, like, actual fans, none of them really liked... I mean, I mean, we had, like, a, a, a small percentage of, like, older fans that, like, liked the new stuff, but most of them just kind of shunned it. And a lot of them didn't even know that it was coming out, honestly. So, it, it, it was kind of weird. Intervals was, like, a huge flop for us, even though it was our favorite album. <laughs> and it's still one I... I mean, at least, like, January and on, and... Uh, what is the end of an era are like still songs I I like uh, but I think it's it's kind of and we'll get to this in a minute too it, it's when I was actually talking to Betley the other night uh, we both were talking about your new project and I was like it reminds me of like where See You Next Tuesday was trying to go and just never got to explore further but I feel like for those that have known Fox for a while it's kind of going back to more of like Betley said that it was more like a, a flesh and blood kind of vibe, and I said I think it's more honestly if you if you really listen to Parasite, it's more like what the vibe of like January and on it was trying to to create. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, with the with Boar, um, the, what Boar is is it's uh, it's me and two other gentlemen uh, that are in a band that used to be popular in Michigan. Uh, they actually were my favorite band from Michigan of all time, uh, Burning Cities. Um, but they have been recording Damien and Dan. They've been recording for years now for Boar. Um, and I just kind of put feelers out to do some sort of recording project since CNX Tuesday really isn't doing too much right now. And dead church is kind of on hiatus till next year, or I guess it's this year, uh, later this year. <laughs> um, so I just wanted something that wasn't like necessarily like crazy 30 second songs. Um, you know, I wanted like actual like music to write to something that would uh, allow you to kind of add, I don't know, uh, to add some weight because you don't have to cram lyrics over a 30 second spot. Right. Music. Yeah. You know, something that can actually like dynamics, like, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, and I had talked to Dan quite a bit, like a year prior about them doing that project and they, they just kind of hit me up and 
asked me if I wanted to work with them. So it all worked out with Boar, and I'm I'm actually the the stuff I'm doing with Boar is the most satisfied I've been with a musical project in my whole life. I know I texted you the other day after you guys released the track and said it's probably the most coherent your vo- your vocals have been on anything I've I've heard you do, which is kind of surprising I would say to a degree since you've recorded at least the See You Next Tuesday stuff at uh, really reputable studios with a budget right. behind you. But it's like I can actually understand, I think, more of your you what know, you're I, saying when I'm when recording, I have to I'm really focusing on pronunciating and like getting the lyrics across. Um, not that they're like important for you to know or anything, but like just to get more of like, just to add to the feel of the song, like the emotional feel. Like right. I want people to like get it, you know, and feel it. So I'm really trying to like make sure you can, even though I'm screaming, you can hear the lyrics. Do you find that maybe some of the, have you gone kind of hopping, like we're on a weird, like a little tangent here, but do you find that the, uh, maybe going back and listening to bands like Converge or Poison the Well or a lot of the other bands I know that you look up to within the genre, do you find that maybe you're going back and realizing that there's been a, a, a change at, at times with those bands where vocally, like they try to, you know, do such a thing to where you're really not just getting into the music, but really I being able to personify with the whole thing, the the music as a whole. I think depending on the band. Yeah. Um, especially Poison the Well, uh, like, I I think their lyrics have always been semi easy to pick out, but like as far as their later albums were concerned, uh, like it, they were way you could definitely understand what they're saying. Um, Converge, I still have no idea. They're one of my favorite bands ever, and I probably only know like a couple lines to any song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it, it just depends on the band, I suppose. Um. So with the end of See You Next Tuesday kind of happening, the shift of focusing on your tattoo career kind of began. What uh, what were some of the goals that you had in mind for, obviously with your band now kind of not being the thing that keeps you from it? Uh, what were the goals you had set for yourself upon now having the time to really rededicate to to tattooing? The goals I have for Boar? No, for tattooing. So, oh, for I mean, tattooing. when See when You Next Tuesday was done... Obviously now, okay. like the thing that was keeping you away from, like, cause you had said earlier that you would have to like, for everything you were learning, you basically unlearned it because you were leaving for tours. So now that that band that's keeping you away from, from fully diving into tattooing, excuse me, and whatnot, like, did you find that you were able to really go head first into that and just kind of really, yeah, that was the goal, you know, like, uh. It, it was kind of funny because we had all decided that we wanted to – we weren't breaking up at the time. We were just like going on hiatus because we were in like – we were just extremely bummed out by how like things were going. Um, so we decided to take a break. And uh, like shortly after, I got a call from my buddy Chris Ballor about joining the crew at Fish Ladder in Lansing, which is – you know, is, and is, still is a very reputable shop, you know. Um but it, that was like a huge, that would have been like a huge step for me and tattooing to learn from him and Aaron Jinks. So I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. It was just kind of like fell into my lap at the right time. So I was like, I, I just had this mindset as soon as T-Next Tuesday was done that I had to focus on tattooing because it was the only way I'd be able or able to even like 
retire, you know, like I was already pretty deep into tattooing at the time. So there was no going back. And that was just the thing I needed to do. Now, something that, uh, I find kind of interesting. And, and after talking with Betley, uh, a little while ago, something that I often wonder about because around, around the time that you were tattooing and, and kind of creating your name was around the, the big boom in reality TV tattoo shows. Yeah. And it seemed like to a degree everybody always has some like sob story that got them on the show to be able to get tattooed um, right. to kind of help with the ratings. Now, something that I kind of think about is is how that's that's your everyday basically as a tattoo artist where people are coming to you and indirectly like you know maybe some people aren't going to be as open to just you know opening up, but I would say almost on a daily basis, you're probably hearing some pretty maybe like crazy stories or things that are like hard to probably listen, like have to hear and indirectly yeah. people just dumping their emotional baggage on you on a daily basis. So like, what, what does that do to you as someone who also writes, you know, writes things in general, whether it be for lyrics or poems or whatever? Well, first off, I definitely think you're right. I think because of those reality TV shows, people that aren't necessarily like, in the tattoo scene, like collectors and stuff, they, they when they come in for a tattoo, they feel like they need to like tell me why they're getting whatever or whatever's going on in their life. And I, sometimes I feel like a second race psychiatrist. But, uh, <laughs> Your rates are probably I, better. Uh, like I, I'm pretty yeah right. Um, I I don't know. Like I'm pretty. I, I can hold the conversation really well, but most of the time when I'm tattooing, I'm so focused on tattooing that. I don't talk a lot, so I think I dismiss a lot of things they say, especially when it starts getting like deep, um, and you know, with you know, very short answers, or you know, I don't try to get too far into it and just kind of apologize for their situation or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm never really handing out too much advice because I don't feel like it's up to me to give it to them. Right. No, it's but just... uh, it's it's. I, I guess I don't really take it home with me unless something really hits hard. Um, I like, I, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, it's like if somebody like died that their say their parent died that day and they're like getting a tattoo that day to memorialize it. That's rough shit to deal with. But uh, I mean, that's pretty rare. Kind of interesting. That's the opposite of, of Bentley because he was like, "Oh, you know, it's really hard," and I take, you know, I just kind of take it and store it in my own, my own being, and just kind of handle it. <laughs> and yeah, I like, have I have a lot of shit going on in my personal life that really keeps me from holding on to other people's shit. So <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's a it's a it's a good and bad thing. I guess like the fact that you don't you know take on your your client's own shit and put it on yourself. No, not at all. I mean, it's, I, by the time I'm done tattooing them, I might think about it for a second, then it's it's gone until I see them again, you know? How does... Because I think another thing, and maybe... Maybe seeing... Maybe those reality shows have helped this, this uh, perception change, but I know, like, especially if you're a tattoo artist that doesn't necessarily do a bunch of walk-ins, but, you know, you do a lot of... Uh, custom pieces and you know book yourself out obviously you have you have your day of you know tattooing however long that day may be but then you have to go home and 
and do your sketches for the next day or for your clients coming up or whatever, do you find that even now with not necessarily being in a touring band where you're gone all the time, do you find that because of how demanding your career is that it still is hard to maintain relationships in general? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because that question. Uh, it's really close to home right now um yeah uh it's definitely really hard um i'd say the past year has been super stressful for me because i'm i'm running fish ladder tattoo now and also working full-time and you know that that alone has like really stressed me out like extremely bad like i love my job but it's it's really hard um to try and like tattoo all day and then either come home and get the next day's huge tattoo drawn and ready for the next day. Or if I don't have anything to draw, I just want to like not be on, you know, I want to be on autopilot mode and that, that really ruins shit, man. Like it, it's hard to carry a relationship in this job for sure. I, <clears throat> Fuck it, I'll just be an asshole about this. So I had seen one of the other podcasts you had done, and seeing how a lot of people seem to know you from See You Next Tuesday, and flat out, like, on that one pod, I literally didn't even get through it because I couldn't make it past 15 minutes of the, the fucking self-adoration, well, not self-adoration, through the, uh, just the straight, like, fanboying this dude was doing over your time in See You Next Tuesday, and it being one of his yeah. favorite bands. I mean, I commend them, like, as I'm learning with this, like, I'm reaching out to people who I casually know and I think they have interesting stories, but on the same token, like, I'm doing it from a perspective of, I know this about you, I think this is interesting, so therefore I feel like other people will find this interesting, and not so much being a fanboy of somebody or something, but just, there's a unique story, I think I have a different take on it than the average person will, so, like, fuck it, I'll ask this person. So... I think the thing that's kind of interesting, though, is, and maybe this is a a, a, a catch-22, because it probably allows you to get some opportunities to further your tattooing in just your career, but I wonder if it sometimes is the only reason people want to get a tattoo by you, is because you are Fox from See You Next Tuesday. Do you find that it's a little bit harder to, like, people who reach out to you, whether it try to be friends or whatever, do you ever feel like people are just trying to get something from you whether it no be, no not at all uh i mean i've had a couple of people that have like wanted to get tattooed by me just because of the whole cnx tuesday thing it, but it's i i think cnx tuesday didn't carry that much weight honestly um not a lot of people knew about it like in in the general public right uh you know to where you know a lot more people are wanting tattoos than knew about see you next Tuesday, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I've had a couple people that, you know, and it was all like pleasant experiences. It was nothing like, you know, like super horrible fanboy shit. You know, <laughs> they were all cool, but, uh, it, I don't get that a lot. Like not a lot of people in the tattoo industry know about the whole scene next Tuesday thing or people that come get tattooed by me. Okay. Cause, and, and like I said, it might've just been the one off experience, like the thing that I saw, but like when I was trying to watch it and the guy's like, 
So you got this, like, on your Facebook page, you got this, like, Predator thing as your, like, cover thing. Is that something on you? And it's like, and you just, like, I remember literally you, like, sitting, and maybe there was a delay through everything. But I remember just the look on your face of, like, no, I did that. I tattooed that. Oh, you tattoo? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, I tattoo and have been for, like, ten years now. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So I remember just feeling like it's like, wow, do, like, people... Yeah, that, that interview was a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I feel bad for talking shit about it because it's like, you no. know, like the people reached out to you and, you know, wanted... No, they were, they were super nice, but uh, I, I think they should have... Done some homework? ...research before they fucking talked to me. Yeah. Not saying I'm like a fucking big deal or anything, but if you're going to have a podcast, then you know what the fuck you're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, that's what I try to do on mine, so at least, like, it's somewhat coherent from start to finish. Yeah, you're doing good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm actually. I think this is the most you and I have actually talked in length ever. Because usually yeah, you're tattooing me and you're just like, <laughs> you're just uh, have your headphones on and blasting my skin away. Um. So we already talked about. Uh, well, actually, where you you talked about how you're you're basically running fish ladder because Belor is uh kind of bi coastal to well not bi coastal. Uh, in two places, kind of between California and here in Michigan. Um, How have you found, because I would say basically you're the manager at this point, so how do you find running a shop? And was it ever an aspiration you really had, or? Kind of, you know. um, uh, I've always been pretty, uh, I like things done my way. (laughs) (laughs) So it, it helps me with that. Um, but it's, it's really not that hard of a gig. I just got to make sure the bills are paid on time and the shop has supplies and that's about it. So it doesn't really affect much of your, your day to day doesn't change a whole lot more. Not a whole lot. I mean, it's a, it's a bit more stressful just cause I'm trying to manage everybody's business instead of just mine. But, uh, it's, it's really not extremely difficult, but I, I mean, it, it definitely, it's taxing to a degree. Um, when, you know, you're trying to deal with your own personal shit and then have to be professional and, <laughs> you know, deal with like a business. Do you ever see yourself opening your own shop at all? Uh, no, I think I'm going to be a fish ladder and probably, hopefully own it one day. That'd be rad. Yeah. Cause some people like, I've, you know, some artists are just like, you know, I'd rather just kind of put my head down do my work. And I, when I punch out, I punch out when I come in, I come in. Others have the desire to want to be more and do more. Yeah, I think uh, in this industry, uh, owning a, a actual shop is probably one of the only ways to make sure that you're set up to retire. Right. Um, uh, like, unless you're extremely huge and getting a good percentage or whatever in some other shop, uh, working for somebody else. But I, I think. No, the normal way to actually succeed is to just do your own thing and have your own thing going. So at this point now, I know you've been hitting the road a little bit more with your tattooing. I think I don't know how many conventions you go out to per se, but I know like you went out and did a oh, what is the big? I wanted to call it Dirt Fest for some reason, but that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> the thing out in. For like the blessing of the bikes, Sturgis. That's it. Oh yeah, I, I had to think of what the fuck a that year was called. Or two ago. 
Um, are you finding that you're hitting the road a little bit more with your your tattooing and kind of finding uh, that, that I've actually slowed down quite a bit. Um, I I think I'm trying to focus a lot more on fish ladder right now than traveling because I I honestly make a lot more money at fish ladder than I would if I was traveling. Right. Um, I I think this year I'm going to hit a couple conventions. I didn't necessarily plan on it, but things have changed a little bit, so I'm going to just lightly travel this year. I might hit you know. Maybe like three conventions or something. No, I, but other other than that, I, I plan on staying home. Now you had uh, gone out to was it Costa Rica? Yeah, I, I went to Panama and Costa Panama. Rica last year. Yeah. I just want to talk to you about that fucking dog sanctuary thing. <laughs> yeah. I I love dogs, and I saw a video of that on like Vice or Viceland or something, and uh-huh. then like it seemed like a month or two later, you're at this thing. And I was like, I want to go, and is it as rad as it seems? Um, it was cool, but at the same time, it was extremely sad. <laughs> um, just because, uh, Costa Rica has a huge stray dog problem. It's massive. Like if you go to Costa Rica and just drive through any, any city, you'll see, you know, stray dogs everywhere. And what the sanctuary does is they go and round them up and bring them to the sanctuary and people pay for these like kind of hikes with dog food to feed the dogs. <laughs> so that that it's cool on their part, but these dogs are so messed up with fleas and mange. And, oh, and, you know they're they're not they don't they don't have the staff to take care of thousands of dogs, like literally thousands of dogs. So they just let them play, and they're really good to the dogs, you know. But they don't have the time to be one on one with them, right? So it's kind of sad to see like a dog walking with like a bunch of sores and shit like that. Oh. Um, but it, it's. It's more than anybody else is doing in Costa Rica, so I give them that. And then obviously the dogs are fed because there was tons of people there doing the hike. And I guess it's like you have to book it way in advance to even get in. So uh, they're, at least they're trying to do something for these dogs. It, just, it was cool. It was cool experience for sure. Walking with you know hundreds of dogs following you through like a huge mountain. But it just reminded me of like the scene of Jurassic Park with like all those fucking dinosaurs just running like the gallimimuses and shit running around you and i was like it's like right. jurassic park but dogs and i yeah <laughs> feel pretty like... much <laughs> that's exactly how it seems but uh yeah i think like my goal for whenever before i die like my bucket list shit is to go to that although now you kind of ruined it a little bit by saying that like, there's like uh, you know it's there's sad, like santa's little helpers the out time. there that you're just like oh yeah. and but... you can adopt the dogs from the place so that's kind of cool. Yeah, but I would like between that and then I just saw that there's somewhere somewhere in like the tri-state area I want or maybe it's in California. That's not tri-state at all. Um that allows you to swim with otters and I want to do that. I know I want to go do that. Really I want to fucking I keep telling I keep telling Bridget I'm going to steal an otter cuz I just fucking want one. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um but uh we're kind of wrapping up. So at this point like with your tattooing career like you've been doing it for like 10 years now. Um other than, I mean, you kind of alluded to maybe run, like owning, running uh, Fish Ladder in a more uh, permanent capacity of you actually owning it. Um, what are what are the goals left for you to for in your tattooing that you might have left? Um, I don't think I don't have any like major goals. I, I think starting out in my tattoo career, I was like, I'm gonna be the best tattooer, and everybody's gonna know who I am. And- all this shit and i think over the years i've kind of just realized that none of that shit matters at all it's just more about like 
producing quality work and making your client happy. So I, I, I just am more focused on being able to do more complex pieces and do them well for my clients. I think that's really my only goal. And with you, you mentioned uh, Dead Church earlier. At what, when did you kind of start getting the itch to want to, and maybe it never went away, you just were able to subside it enough with the tattooing stuff, but when uh, when did you find that it was the right time to kind of go back to doing being in a band of some capacity and, and doing that? Um, well, I would for a couple of years, I was in a pretty awful relationship um, that kind of kept me away from doing things I really wanted to do. And I, I think when I got out of that relationship, that I, I went to a show, a big fest, and uh, I was like, yeah, I want to do this again um, on some sort of level, you know, maybe not like obviously not full time like I used to, but, you know, it's at least get on stage every once in a while and make an ass out of myself. Um, <laughs> I heard, Sorry, real quick side story. I was you just reminded me of when you guys were doing. Uh, oh, fuck. What was the band you and Rick were in for like a hot minute? Vultures. Yeah. When you got tanked at max. Yeah. Before you went on and then dropped a P8, like a monitor, on some chick's toes or on her foot yeah. when she was wearing flip-flops. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> I felt so bad after that. Yeah, that was definitely a huge shithead moment for me. <laughs> Still was great from yeah, my perspective. I'm it didn't fall sure on my foot. foot. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it felt pretty bad. But yeah, I mean, that's maybe not breaking people's feet, but me being... An asshole is kind of a common occurrence. Maybe not with Dead Church, uh, but uh, actually with Dead Church, I don't even talk to the crowd. We have a very tight schedule or tight set. Yeah, we don't even face the crowd normally. We face each other. We kind of don't <laughs> acknowledge the crowd's existence. That's awesome. Which works out for us, surprisingly. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, you already kind of talked about Boar. Is the yep. You had said that uh, Dead Church is kind of on on a little bit of a break until later this year. Yeah, our drummer's away. He uh, he works on big budget movies and he's away working oh. on one at the moment in Atlanta until July. So Dead Church is not doing anything for a while. And is the the goal with Board to just be a, a excuse me a uh, studio band or are you going to look to start playing yeah, a little um, bit? I I pretty sure like Boar is just going to be strictly studio. Uh, us just making music for music's sake um i mean but who knows what will ever happen in the future i i don't have any aspirations to like play this stuff out you know it's just right now it's purely about having fun and getting cool stuff out there you know and then See you next Tuesday. I know you guys did a one-off show at least uh, last. We've actually played credit or quite a few shows. I was gonna say I know you did the one with Fusion shows not that long ago. I think at the at Max. Is there talks of maybe doing some more like sporadic shows, even if it's just here in Uh, Michigan? Or well, right now um, we are not writing in any form or capacity, um, just because I, I think. Us being at an older age, um, we don't necessarily think that way anymore, and it's hard for us to write the same way that we did, uh, at least for them. Um, and then everybody's just busy as hell, so we're not really doing much in the writing aspect, but we do have a potential 
three-day tour that we might be doing in February. So I, I don't think I'm really allowed to talk no, about no, what that, it is. Totally understandable. Um, do you – does the doing of various projects like uh, Dead Church and, and Boar satiate the need to, to play or create music? Or yeah, is especially there... Boar. I mean, with Boar, it's like the stuff I've always wanted to do. Like, because you know, I I listen to stuff like CNX Tuesday and like pretty crazy shit, but it's not stuff that I'm like obsessed with. You know, like, but the stuff more like Boar is kind of along the lines of stuff that I actually listen to on a normal basis. So it's it's been a lot more fun for me to actually create with them. I'll ask you this. Is the last question. Okay. It's a two-parter, though. Okay. What's your favorite tattoo that you've done? And what's the favorite, what's your favorite tattoo that you have? (laughs) Uh, That I've done? Shit. I have no idea, man. (laughs) Well, I didn't know, like, because, like, some people would be like, oh, it's, you know, like, I asked Betley the other day. I was like, okay, so, like, because we were hanging out literally the day before, you know, the end of the year. And I was like, so, you know, you posted your best nine thing that everyone's doing on Instagram. I go, what was your piece that you were like, man, if like looking back at, at the year as a whole, like what was the piece that you were like, fuck yeah, 2016, I got to do this. Like, what was your one? <laughs> and he was like, honestly, it was that Batman sleeve. He goes like, it turned out great. It looks yeah, fucking great. That's and, a look killer. And so, I mean, it's like, I know it's hard to sit there because I mean, like indirectly, it's not saying that you're saying that one's better than all the rest, but it's like. Maybe there's one that you're more proud of for whatever the reason. Either you like the execution of it was great, it looked great, everything turned out great, or maybe uh, it's like, man, are I we tried talking this... just the year or like? Fuck it, yeah, let's just do the year. I guess if that'll make it a little uh, bit easier. Let's see. I I had a chance. I did this thing this year where I wanted to expand my portfolio a bit, um, and I offered like bigger session work at a discounted rate to do whatever I wanted to do, and a couple of those turned out really awesome. Uh, I did a back piece on my buddy Nick of uh, like a eagle with like a demon head for its back. Um, oh, yeah. A bunch of roses around it. I really liked that one a lot. I got to do a big tiger on my buddy David's chest. Um, I liked that one a lot. I got to work on his wife, a big piece on her thigh. That was awesome. You know, it's hard for me to really pick one out. Honestly, I didn't not know. one just like stands out. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of criteria for what can make your favorite a favorite, but sometimes I feel like maybe like with Chris, it was more like you know I, I really enjoyed this piece. We we did a lot, like everything that I wanted. Like there was some new shit I was trying, new machines, new inks, whatever. Yeah. So it, like I know like sometimes it's a combination of a lot of things that make indirectly like a piece a really like the piece they like right. the most. Exactly. I, I, especially with his piece, that Batman thing is a huge accomplishment to finish something like that and have it look so good. Like I'm proud of him. That, that tattoo turned out freaking amazing. Well, if I can offer a, uh, a nice sentiment he gave to you when we were doing ours, uh, he, when I asked him about when he was in, uh, uh, better left impaled or flight of the Jesus dog or whatever. I had mentioned you since, <laughs> you know, at that time he was trying to do tattooing and music too. And he goes, well, I'll admittedly say Chris, you know, Fox was a, is a way better musician than I ever will be. So, <laughs> So take that, I guess, as for uh, your compliment back to him. What a gentleman. <laughs> he is. Um, and then your favorite piece that you have? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think about a year ago 
got tattooed by my favorite tattooer out in New York. His name's Grez. Uh, he did like a, a skull with a snake kind of weaving through it. I think that one might be my, uh, my favorite. Um, but I have so many at this point that it's really hard for me to even remember what I have. I still remember when you had j- the day you got your uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force tattoo that's no longer there. <laughs> oh my god. You were pumped on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, what, uh, where can people find you on your various social networks or your band socials or any of that kind of stuff? Uh, let's see. I think all the bands have Facebook pages. Um, let's see. Bohr. Um, B-O-H-R? Yep, B-O-H-R. It's uh, borethebandbandcamp.com. You can listen to our new track we just dropped. Our uh, The EP is coming out on Valentine's Day. Sweet. Uh, any plans so, to put, like, probably not, but any plans to do any, like, cool things like vinyl or anything? At the moment, no. Um, I think Lands, the EP, will just be uh, kind of, like, to let people know that we exist. And then we're actually already writing a full length right now. So that's cool. Um, hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have a full length out too. And maybe we'll do something with a full length, but honestly, yeah, like we're not trying to make money off of it or like do anything except for put music out. So I, I don't even know if we'll make physical copies of it. Well, we both know a friend that would probably help you do that. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, let's see what else, as far as me in general for tattooing, um, my Instagram is probably the best source to see work or me doing dumb shit. Um, <laughs> so that's just Fox tattoos. Um, and yeah, that's really it. Anything else you want to say or plug or anything while I got you? Uh, not that I can think of offhand at the pretty much bore is what I'm putting all my efforts into outside of tattooing right now. So people want to check that out. That'd be cool. I, uh, for whatever my opinion is worth, I, I totally back that, uh, new song. Thank you very much. I was like 40 seconds in. I was like, Oh, okay. So like we're going really like atmospheric, kind of like a pseudo death haven kind of vibe. And then all of a sudden, like the, the riffs just started beating me. And yeah. I was like, fuck, all right, oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> so I uh, I can say the few people I've talked to that are following it are, are very uh, very eager to hear more. So if any, awesome. when and if anyone listens to this, uh, go check it out. Maybe at the very end I will include it just as a – if I have your permission to uh, just include it at the very end of the song and people can check it out that way. Yeah, man, put it on. Sweet. You heard it here. So that'll be following this. Uh, so thank you, Fox, for uh, your, your time and doing this for me, with me. Yeah, thank you. And, Appreciate uh, it. Hopefully we'll be seeing each other soonish. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be around. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. that's another podcast, so have a week. Thank you.